Hello, co-journeyers, and welcome back to The Truth So Help Me Good. I am your host, Barbara Landry, and together we explore some of the bigger questions about this journey we call life. With inspiration from my upcoming memoir, The Truth So Help Me Good. Welcome to Episode 8. This past week, the world witnessed 379 people evacuate a jet plane on fire and survive, all within 18 minutes. It was nothing short of a miracle. There were so many things that contributed to the success of the evacuation. A veteran pilot, a well-trained crew, resilient materials used on the plane, and not the least of which, the calm, cooperative, and conscious behavior of the passengers. The actions of the passengers and crew serve as a model for what may be necessary for our own collective survival. I couldn't help but wonder How would I show up under those circumstances? Yesterday, the day before a snowstorm, I went to Market Basket. I knew that it was going to be crowded and went in with the intention of being as patient as possible. I have come to realize that if I want to see how I am doing with aligning my actions with my intentions, All I have to do is watch myself at Market Basket. I don't think I had ever seen it so crowded. People going up and down the aisles from both directions, traffic jams at the end of each aisle, and then of course there is the dreaded stop, which keeps you from moving at all because of oncoming traffic. It was literally complete chaos. So then I start thinking about that plane on fire filled with people and said out loud to no one in particular, if the people could do what they did on the plane in Japan, we got this. I thought I saw at least one person give me a nod of agreement. I felt an obvious shift when I moved from me against everyone else to we are all in this together. And so I continued on my way, observing people who I wondered if they saw me at all, carriages left in the middle of busy intersections, each person on their own separate mission. Finally, I made it to the dairy aisle where there was a complete jam up in front of the butter. It was unclear where the line to get access to the butter started as there was more than one, each blocking the other. I decided to pass by and then circle back around. There was no obvious sign of people working together. I kept my wits about me and was glad that we were in a supermarket 
and not on the tarmac. Once I got my butter, I was ready for the checkout and got in a line that was so long, it was unclear where it actually led. I asked the woman in front of me, is this a line to a register? She looked at me and then ahead of her and said, I really am not sure. I hope so, because otherwise the option is to cause a big traffic jam in front of all the registers. I was good with that and was happy to be in a line that had a common purpose and intention rather than push forward and run the risk of creating more chaos. After a moment or two, I noticed that a few more people had gotten behind me and were also wondering if the line led to a register. After some brief discussion, we were all content to stay put and hope for the best. Slowly, the line advanced forward. When I turned to look over my shoulder, I could see that the woman behind me was struggling. She was an elderly person and had a full cart. She said she felt like she needed to sit down. I suggested that she sit on a bench nearby and I would trail her cart behind me to the register. She was appreciative, but declined. At which point the lady behind her chimed in and said, yes, we've got you, please sit down. But the woman said no, she would be okay so long as she could lean on her carriage. The line continued to advance, and I asked the woman if she was able to have her groceries delivered, and she said she would have to consider that in the future and would look into it. I then asked her if she had someone who could help her do that, and she said yes. She then told me that she had just lost her husband on December 2nd which was just a few weeks earlier, and that while he had been sick, she let all of her physical problems fall by the wayside. I told her how sorry I was. I was heartbroken to learn of the loss of her husband. The fact that she was there at Market Basket Negotiating the crowds spoke to her resilience and strength and what appeared to be fierce independence. In that moment, the opportunity to be of service to her, to show her compassion and support, felt like a gift, afforded me a sense of purpose and meaning. I felt a longing to help as much as possible. What was that? In her book, Bittersweet, Susan Cain explores how sorrow and longing make us whole. She tells us that as humans, we are wired to respond to each other's troubles with care. That in fact, our nervous systems 
make little distinction between our own pain and the pain of others. She explains that compassion literally means to suffer together. And it is the sadness that comes from that suffering that unites our souls. In a world where we have trouble connecting with others, it has been shown that it is sadness of all things that can help create the unity that we so desperately lack. Going back to Market Basket, had I not had the conversation with the woman behind me, I would not have known about the loss of her husband. There is no question that I experienced a sense of unity with her from sharing the feelings of her sadness. So it makes me wonder how many other people are there who walk by us every day in Market Basket, in the bank, at work, at the gas station, who are also suffering in some way. I would guess almost everyone who is not suffering in some way. We were born to be compassionate. It is part of who we are. It is the language of our souls. I would like to end this episode with a poem entitled The Beautiful Sadness of Longing by Mitch Ditkoff. There is a beautiful kind of sadness one most people think they shouldn't feel that needs to be celebrated or if not celebrated then at least welcomed like the evening's last beggar at your door this sadness is divine the experience of what most people consider to be an absence but in reality is the presence of the divine longing for the beloved. It would be easy to conclude that this feeling is a disconnection from joy, an unfortunate amnesia that would make an easy target for well-meaning givers of advice to quote from their favorite scripture but I am not talking about this garden variety of sadness. I am talking about another kind, a holy melancholy that sculpts, deepens, and refines from within. Like the dusk that follows day, it is not devoid of light, only another shade of light. Yes, it is darker, but so what? Isn't it the darkness 
that allows the stars to shine. When a human being is in the presence of their beloved, it is easy to feel joy. Like leaving home in the middle of a storm, it is easy to get wet there. But when the beloved departs, ah, the paradox, the late night debates, does the beloved ever depart? An uncomfortable feeling arises. The moon is full, but you are empty, thirsty for something to fill you again. But the only thing to drink is a bucket of tears and you cannot find the handle. Off in the distance, you hear the sound of a cello. Is it sad or beautiful? Drawn by the music, you follow, feeling your way, singing silent songs of praise and wondering if what you hear is the sound of your own voice or your name being called. You know and have always known that the beloved has left the world behind as a gift, but you do not want the gift. You want the giver. Thank you, co-journeyers, for listening. I look forward to being with you again soon. Take care and be well.